Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Hello, Patriots. Good to have you back. You're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. And it's so good to have you back. Some of you are here for the very first time. Welcome, new listeners. We are a growing, growing show thanks to you telling your friends and neighbors and linking us to their website. So continue to do that as we grow and help spread the news around the nation that the Tea Party is here to be heard and we will influence the next election in a mighty way. So tell your friends to listen to Doc Holliday's Tea Party and we've got a show packed in today. Let me tell you just briefly what we'll be doing. Number one, we'll be talking about the president's job speech. A little bit more, he's told us how he's going to pay for it. We're going to get into that. We're also going to add two or three things going together. Everything from the New York's uh, special election, where a Republican won in a Democratic uh, congressional district. We're going to talk about that. Tie that into some things that are happening in the Congressional Black Caucus. And we're going to tell you about something you've not heard about. It's called rock-splitting politics. You're going to see it happening. I'm going to show you how it's happening, even now. And then we're going to get into this week's... uh, Doc Holliday's Tombstone of the Week Award, and that'll be coming up. You don't want to miss that for some outlandish words coming out of a liberal's mouth. And then we are going to have what I promised last week. I'm going to give you the first-hand detailed report of what went on at the CNN Tea Party Express uh, presidential debate in Tampa because it's historic. First time a Tea Party's ever had a presidential debate Doc Holliday was there, 50-yard line seats, front row, and I'm going to tell you some things that happened at the before party, the debate, and the after party, and the after-after party. So I'll fill you in on some details. Doc Holliday was there. I'll let you know. So that's coming up today's show. And then, this week, we do have a great Rock of Liberty speech that you do not need to miss if you're going to be voting in the Republican presidential primary so listen to this week's rock and liberty speech before we get into the show let's see what song what song would really really just illustrate what's going on in barack obama's mind yesterday all my troubles seem so far away now it looks as though they're here to stay Oh, I believe in yesterday, suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be, there's a shadow hanging over me. Now, now, do you think that song may have something to do with what's going on in the mind of President Barack Obama? Well, I know one thing, yesterday... And he thinks about 2008 when everybody was celebrating and calling him a man that the history has been waiting for. And he thought himself as who the world was waiting for. The egotistical Mr. Well, President Downgrade is what I can call him around here. He's the first one to get 
entire country from AAA rating <laughs> to be downgraded. Okay, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about President Obama. And he now he introduced us to his jobs bill to a joint session of Congress, no doubt, after we waited for him to have his vacation and get back after Labor Day to have a joint session of Congress. And, and smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors, that's about all you can say. But he's finally come out and said, this is what we're going to pay for it, and this is how we're going to get the deficit down. $450 billion jobs bill, and he wants a $1.5 trillion tax increase. Wow. Wow. Where does he get that? And again, we've talked about this before. This president, ever since he's gotten into office, he wants to make sure that he gets rid of the, he's just working hard. And the Democratic Party does not like this. The people in Congress, they're Democrats, they don't like it when he says we're going to work on the people who don't need tax breaks. We're going to work on the wealthy who give, uh, and we're going to take away their itemized deductions. Oh, wow, goodness, does that not look simple on paper? But you got to realize, you're going to gut the nonprofit organizations. You're going to gut them. And, and then I think that's what President Obama wants. He doesn't want anybody, anybody, to depend on any organization other than the government. I mean, that's the progressive way of thinking. That's the communist way. And I'm, some of you just want to slap me on the head when I say communist, all you liberals out there listening. But that's exactly what we're building to, where government takes care of everything. When you say that the people who pay their money in and give money so they can have tax breaks, but when they give and they get itemized deductions, well, you say, well, it's not in the heart to shut and give. I'm telling you, there's a lot of nonprofit organizations out there. If this new tax law goes through, they're going to be, nonprofits going to be hurting and going out of, out of business of where they're helping people because you take away itemized deductions, you're taking away nonprofit organizations. People are going to hurt, and Obama wants that, so they'll have to appeal to the government. I'm telling you, that's just, it's part of the progressive uh, socialist agenda that leads us toward uh, communism. I mean, it's flat out where the government controls it all. I told you I was going to talk about some rock-splitting politics. And this is what we call rock-splitting politics. And that is the thing that happened a couple weeks ago up in New York, special election, uh, Anthony Weiner's seat, where he had to resign, special election. The, the registered Democrats outnumbered the Republicans three to one. Three to one has not been a Republican elected from that district since prohibition, my friends. Prohibition. Well, what happened? Well, uh, Ed Cox, uh, former uh, mayor of New York City and uh, staunch uh, Democrat, who publicly went out and made speeches and supported President Obama in 2008, but because of President Obama's uh, stance on Israel in a way he has not made friends with Israel. Well, Ed Koch decided, even though he's a Democrat, uh, he was going to support the Republican, Mr. Turner. Now it's Congressman Turner. But, it, but Ed Koch made a lot of people mad, maybe. But he went to the Jewish community and said, we got to send a message. And I think the Demo and he wrote an article about this. You can check out his article. But he basically told the Democratic candidate, I'm sorry, this is bigger than you and me. We've got to send a message to President Obama that he's 
is on the wrong track of Israel. And if we just elect another Democrat, it's going to be same old, same old, another Democrat. But if we elect elected a Republican out of its Democratic district, then the President of the United States will have to take notice. Folks, did you ever think you'd see three to one Democrat in New York, uh, three to one to Republican, and a Republican win? I told you last week, it's, it's several underlying currents. We told you that Welperin, the Democratic candidate, he was pushing same-sex marriage, had a lot in the Hispanic community and the Orthodox Jewish community that said, this is what you supported, so we are going to support your defeat, your defeat. And a lot of forces came together in, in a wave against the liberal Democrat agenda. That, my friends, is rock-splitting politics. Let me tell you about another situation. We had uh, the, the head or chairman, the chairperson of the Congressional Black Caucus. Let me read this to you here. Let's see. I, I won't read it. I'll just tell you the, uh, verbatim what it says. But Emmanuel Cleaver from Missouri, congressman, uh, and he's uh, uh, head of the Congressional Black Caucus, basically he said, this, well, quote, let me quote him, if former President Bill Clinton had been in the White House and had failed to address this problem, we probably would be marching on the White House. And he's talking about the problem of jobs in the African-American community. And, and he went on to say, there is a less volatile, quote, there is a less volatile reaction in the Congressional Black Caucus because nobody wants to do anything that would empower the people who hate the president. Well, I'm telling you right now, that's unquote there. After, I don't hate the president. I hate his policies. <laughs> and you talk about racism in, in uh, what Dr. King said, and I, that you want to judge a person by the content of his character and not the color of his skin. But the reason the Congressional Black Caucus says we're not going to march to the White House because the president is black. <laughs> that, uh, that's basically what the Congressional Black Caucus says. They're mad, but they're not mad enough to get mad at the first African-American president. Well, I, it's not my job to tell them what to do. And uh, Congressional Black Caucus, I think, is upset with the president. And, and, and rightly so. Look at the African-American community. Are they better off since he's been elected president? Other than the spirit of hope and the spirit of uh, we got our first African-American president and the pride that goes with that. But, but where are they financially? Where are they with jobs? It's worse. It's absolutely worse. So what do you call that? When I call it again a part of the puzzle of rock-splitting politics. Now... We have got so much to cover in this show, but there's one thing coming up i got to tell you about this, uh, this week's Tombstone of the Week Award, Doc Holliday's Tombstone of the Week Award. And for you new listeners, every week we pick out some outrageous statement given by some liberal or some bonehead that should that statement should be buried six feet under the ground with a tombstone on top of it that's what doc holiday's tombstone award is it's not given to a person it's given to their deeds or actions or words or speech and this week it goes to none other than a journalist greg palace up in wisconsin we're talking about a, a person that poured a beer on one of the state senators who had voted a uh, with uh, the conservative governor uh, uh, Walker up there. And, and anyway, <laughs> the, at one of these uh, liberal progressive uh, rallies, whatever you call them, uh, the socialist gatherings. But anyway, this uh, journalist, Greg Palace, said, 
This is Wisconsin. This is the place where you had some guy pour a beer on the head of a Republican state senator. No, 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 that's all wrong. You can't do that. That's just wrong. I am from New York. If you're going to pour beer on a Republican, you have to drink it first. So here we go. Uh, the liberals, progressives, <laughs> they want to urinate on Republicans now. The civility is drastically low. Let's keep the high road up. And for this week, that gets this week's Doc Holliday's Tombstone of the Week Award. That line, that language should be buried six feet in the ground with a tombstone on top of it. Now, let me remind you, you're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net, and we're glad to have you. New listeners, we are going into a show, uh, this show, uh, about telling you about my experience at the CNN Tea Party Express uh, presidential debate. Usually we have an interview, but uh, because we've got so much put in today's show, we're not going to get an interview of any person other than Doc Holliday. So let me get into you what uh, what I got from the show. Number one, down down in Tampa, when the Tea Party Express Express rolled in, they, they had been on a three-week tour, and this is the last leg, the last city of their tour. It ended up down in Tampa for the, the presidential debate with CNN that uh, Tea Party Express had really worked hard to go into rallies and trying to go into some swing states and go across the country. And I think this was their like their fourth or fifth tour that they've been on, and they have been very effective. Amy Kramer is the leader of the Tea Party Express. She was uh, just uh, a mother who was sick and tired of this government. And when Tea Party rolled around, she said, it's time to get off the couch and do something. And she got off the couch and did something. And she's a part of the Tea Party Express, put together a great team, entertainers, pe people, speakers, go out and rally the people to get along with the Tea Party and get these liberals knocked out of positions of power in our government. So, uh, I thank Tea Party Express for putting it all together. And one thing I do want to say is uh, before the debate ever happened, they had a they had their last rally, Tea Party Express, got the people fired up in there. Most of the people were heading on out to uh, sit in the live audience for the CNN Tea Party Express presidential debate. And, again, got to meet a lot of great people. Some of you listening to this show, I got to meet you for the first time uh, before the the presidential debate in Tampa. So I'm glad to have you listening and tell your friends and neighbors, link us on your Facebook pages and all that good stuff because we like to get the word out that Doc Holliday's Tea Party is the place to be and listen to the heartbeat of the Tea Party. Like to know what's going in on all over the nation. Now, uh, when we got to the got got to the debate, <laughs> I told you last week. Didn't know why or how, but uh, got front row seats. <laughs> they had had our names uh, on on, each, on the seat. You had to find where your seat assignment was. And so my friend from the Tupelo Tea Party, which I represented with uh, my good friend, the leader of the Tupelo Tea Party, Grant Soul, we uh, looking in, around in the back. There about 50, 60 chairs lined up right there smack in the front, and there's several hundred in bleachers around that. But we were looking... They said we had a red tag. We had to look for a seat, and by golly, we started in the back, got about halfway, and then 
And then lo and behold, we were on the very front row. So we were tickled to death, happy about that. And uh, several people who would be asking questions were on each side of us. And, of course, we'd put in some questions to moderator, uh, Wolf Blitzer asked. So those were the good things that we got to be where we were. Now, the good thing about seeing the debate live that's different from watching it on television is you do get to see the candidates' faces. Whoever is answering a question, you not only get to see his or her face, you get to see the, uh, all of the opponents and get to see how they're looking. And so you do get a better depth and grasp of what's going on in the, as far as the candidates and how they come across on television. Sometimes it's different from the debate. I'll give you one example of uh, Rick Perry. Uh, Sometimes he could look like he was commanding, and sometimes he looked just a little bit goofy. I just tell you that a little. He needs he's he, he got some uh, rough edges that need to be rounded off if he wants to be uh, qualified to be president of the United States. I'll tell you about uh, uh, Governor Romney. Uh, again, he looked very presidential. Didn't look like he could be shook up, but he stood there stout like a tree almost, but not not. Like Al Gore, he's nothing like Al Gore. Like I said, anybody on that stage, all eight candidates, could run circles around President Obama as far as running the White House. I have no doubt about that. Even Ron Paul, but now, and, and even John Huntsman. But but as far as the debate goes, you, uh, those who saw it, uh, if you want to know who the winner is, I don't think there's a full winner. I think we did see Rick Perry, who had gone to the front of the pack. In the polling, I think he got hammered by several good, tough questions, and he needs to be hammered by those questions. And not only that, we got uh, we got to see some of his responses weren't quite as tuned in as I would like to like to have seen Perry. And now Romney was on top of his game again; looked very uh, very secure in what he had to say. Michelle Bachman again; she's standing right next to Romney and. She looked very precise with a backbone, and she tried to, and she did get on an attack with uh, Governor Perry. I think she spent a little too much time on the HBV vaccine, and personally, I think that was not good for the day or two after the way she had pushed that and talked about how some uh, lady in the audience had, had said the vaccine had made her daughter. Um, have some problems that were not the problems that anybody had ever associated with the vaccine. So she didn't do her campaign any good, but uh, really harping on that. But what she did do was show she had a backbone. I believe she's, you know, she's uh, crawled back in the race enough to say, hey, I'm here and I'm, you better recognize me. And she made it on the Jay Leno show. And uh, so she's getting more publicity. That's good. Uh, can she keep going? Uh she can. So let's see where she goes. Herman Cain, let me tell you, I am a Herman Cain fan. Anybody has listened to this show, go back and uh, look for the archive show with uh, Alveda King, Dr. Alveda King, Denise Martin Luther King Jr. She's, she was a, is a big Herman Cain fan. She comes from Atlanta, where Herman Cain is from. So uh, she knows of Herman Cain even before he was running for president. And she would tell us some things about it. So go back to the archive show and check that out. But Herman Cain to me is starting to tread water. 
He's a good candidate, but he's got to mature. If he wants to be president of the United States, he's got to get some traction with something that is more than I'm a Tea Party fan. Tea Partiers love yes, we love you, Herman, but you got to dig in your heels and you got to make you got to splash some water. I don't mean you gotta perfectly pour water on other candidates, but you've got to get into this race. You gotta get into the thick of it and get your you got your proposals out there, but nobody's fighting you. When we, when we see people fighting Herman Cain about his proposals, then we know Herman will be gaining traction. So far, I don't see that. Now, Ron Paul, yes, like all conservatives know, he has some good ideas, but he's got some nutty ideas. And you heard the Tea Party uh, reaction when he talked about the Palestinians, and there were some uh, boos and reaction to what he had to say. And one of the things we know is uh, that his foreign policy is not like any that uh, I'd like to see. He's just, when you just bring everything home all over the world, then what do you leave the world to? Uh, whoever has the biggest gun, and that's a lot of folks in the world that uh, would take advantage of America, a vacuum, if Ron Paul had his way. Now, uh, what do I think about Ron Paul? I think this, he's got a great following, great people almost like a cult that love Ron Paul and what I got to say to them is if he's not the nominee which does not look like he'll ever be able to be do not do not neglect to get out and vote because President Obama we cannot have four more years of President Obama and there will be a huge huge uh, pressure put on someone to become a third-party candidate. The liberals, when they see how weak Obama's getting, and as he gets weaker and weaker, there will be a tremendous push and money put up, no doubt, to get somebody to go as a third-party candidate from the cons that will pull conservatives away from the eventual Republican nominee. So wake up and don't get caught in that trap. Now, where do we go from here on the debate? Well, John Huntsman's there. <laughs> And and uh, and I tell you, after the debate, there was people all around each of the candidates, and I was walking through, leaving to go into the after party, and there's John Huntsman standing by himself. So I went up and talked to him a minute, but he didn't have a crowd of tea parties around him. And should he stay in the race? Well, he may, but I, I don't. He doesn't get much tea party support. I'll just put it like that. And he's just too liberal for. Uh, most tea parties. I heard someone behind me when he during the debate. They said, "What? What is that? What is a Democrat doing up there in a Republican debate?" And that pretty much sums up John Huntsman, as far as I'm concerned. But let's go ahead. And people want to know about Newt Gingrich. Had a great, great debate. Had some great one-liners. Very intelligent. It came out. It showed in the debate. But he's not going to be our nominee. And uh, he needs to stay in. It looks like the elder statesman that he is. And there's a place for him to play in a row, but it's not to run against President Barack Obama. I just don't see him getting a nomination. But his intelligence definitely showed. Now, what about Rick Santorum? Sort of like Huntsman. I like Rick Santorum. He's, he's very conservative, but unless he gets some traction uh, in the polls, I just don't see how he can keep going. He's got to get some traction. Had a great answer against Ron Paul, but I don't see his poll numbers going up any. So that's the debate, and after the debate, you heard some snippets last week's show. Those who hadn't heard last week's show, go. You, I had a snippet from a, a Michelle Bachman, and she talked to me, and uh, there was a, 
teenager had asked a great question, and she talked about that. His name of Tyler Hensley from uh, California, and and you can go back to last week's show and hear that. I did get to uh, over the, that couple of days got to meet Michelle Bachman, uh, Governor Romney, Governor Huntsman, some of the others. We got up and close and talked to some of their uh, staff, but. What I took from the whole event was, number one, a couple of nuggets from the whole CNN Tea Party Express debate. It was a great thing because it was history, and the Tea Party is come of age when there can be a presidential debate. That means a lot. Number two, the nugget was all the candidates are in a sparring position. We don't know who the nominee will be, and it is good that, uh, that they are asking questions and having to make stands and we need more of that to get all the candidates stronger and and there shouldn't be a you know shouldn't say right now it's between one or two people we need everybody to know they got a chance for this thing to really get the best passion out of our nominee uh now (laughs) where do we go from here well i told you that they did have an after party and, and Herman Cain came and spoke to us. Uh, Rick Perry made it. I didn't get there in time to hear Rick Perry. Newt Gingrich came, and Newt did a good job. But it was great to see all the Tea Party people from around the country who had come in for the debate, and it was really good. It's, it's uplifting to know that all these people around the country are Tea Partiers who believe in their country, believe in their nation, and you're one of those, <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for listening to this show and being a part of the Tea Party group because if, if this Tea Party movement doesn't grow, then where are we going to go? Well, one of the places that I want to get to is uh, I said where we're going to go after the party, when we had after the debate party. The, we stayed at the same hotel with, uh, when I say we, Grant and I, had come down from Tupelo, Mississippi, but... Uh, we stayed in the same hotel as the Tea Party Express and, and the people there, so we got to know them better. And I tell you, Amy Kramer, head of Tea Party Express, the day of the debate, I got up to run some. I can't sleep good in different places, so I got up about 5 in the morning to go running. and uh, Or at 6 in the morning. I'm sorry, that was Eastern time. I got up around 6 in the morning to go running. And Amy Kramer was coming in at 6 in the morning. She had been... A, uh, at a live five o'clock uh, uh, television uh, interview, and she was coming in at six in the morning, and then she had to be ready to be somewhere at another interview at seven or eight, and basically she had a full day. And I'm telling you, after the debate, she had interviews, making everything flow good. Then after the debate party, and then and then she came back to the hotel where the Tea Party Express group. This was their last leg of the journey. And I'm telling you, she stayed up to 3 o'clock and from 5 in the morning to 3 in the morning all the way around the clock, 22-hour day. I'm telling you, she has got some stamina. I mean, and I asked her about it, she said, because she loves the Tea Party and she knows it's for our country. And that's why I do this show. That's why I write a book. That's why you do what you do. And remember... We all have to be a piece of the puzzle. We can't all do the same thing. We're not supposed to, but we all have got to be a piece of the puzzle that gets this country turned around and puts us in the direction to grow this economy, puts us in the direction to leave freedom and liberty to our children and grandchildren, what was bestowed on us. We've got 
to stack that stack of wood higher. And right now, we're going to leave our children a stack of wood. There's not going to be a stack of wood. We're going to give them IOUs. That's just like the government IOUs for Social Security. And that's not good. We can't do that for our children. So, so let's all get involved. And that includes you and me and us working together. And I appreciate what you do all over the country. You are doing it. You're getting out there, and we're, we're not going away. We're not going gentle in that good night. We are making waves, and we just made history with the first presidential debate. And you were a part of it. I was a part of it. We're all a part of it, working this Tea Party movement. And when I talked about earlier about rock-splitting politics, some of you are asking, now what does he mean rock-splitting politics? So this is this week's uh, Rock of Liberty speech. I have a lot about rock in this, in this radio show, don't I? Well, one reason is I've got a book coming out. I told you about it last week, but it's called Doc Holliday's Rock-Splitting Politics, The Tea Party Versus the Status Quo. And you can go to my website at www.teaparty.ms. As, as soon as we can, we're going to have some information and the book cover up and uh, information how you can pre-order that. But i got to tell you that I see this show letting people know about the rock-splitting politics. It's just a little little bit of picking the rocks, what I told about in the Wiener's old district in New York, what was happening. Who would ever thought there would be Orthodox Jews and and Hispanic community working together to put to defeat a Democratic candidate. Whoever thought that the former mayor of New York City has strong Jewish influence and a former Democratic congressman himself, who would ever thought he would back the Republican conservative? I'm telling you, things are happening in this country, and that's why I call it rock-splitting politics, because it's there are times unlike any other we've seen in our lifetime, folks. That's why the Tea Party movement came about. And you saw it. That's why you got involved in the Tea Party movement. That's why I did, because I love my country. And I don't like the direction we're going, and neither do you. And that's why this book has come together. And that's what rock-splitting politics are about. When you see the Congressional Black Caucus saying, we would march on the White House if it wasn't for having the first African-American president. That's rock-splitting politics because people are changing. People are, things are happening that they can't control. I'm telling you, we're on the cusp of it. And I told you a little bit uh, about a month ago, but there is a phenomena that I'm calling, or you can just call it the 70-year itch in American politics. But just to go over it once again, you can go back to the ratification of the United States Constitution. And you know, we're not talking about 70 years right on the dot, right on the date, like some biblical prophecy. You know, you can go back and read that. <laughs> 70 years happened after Nebuchadnezzar knocked out the uh, Israelis and, and then uh, they had to go back and rebuild Jerusalem 70 years later. But that's getting into biblical prophecy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the United States, about every 70 years, just like Haley's Comet comes around every 76 years, about every 70 years since the ratification of the Constitution, there is a dramatic, catastrophic change that 
that uh, directs and pushes the politics for about the next 70 years. Now, why do I say that? Look at the ratification of the U.S. Constitution, about 1788, 70 years older, 70 years later, we saw the beginning and then the Civil War, the American Civil War happened. Catastrophic change, horrible Civil War. Over 600,000 Americans killed on the battlefield. That 70 year itch happened and, and there was huge changes in the political structure of America. Now, you take 70 years from the American Civil War end, ended in 1865. Seventy years puts you right in the middle of the, of the Great Depression. And then what happened there? Of course, the Great Depression and World War II mixed those two together. Tremendous change, catastrophic. Lives changed and lives, uh, people dying in the Depression and dying in World War II. Women coming into the work field. And in the civil rights movement, all these things spurred out of that traumatic change. And for the next 70 years, pushed the direction of America. We are in the third 70-year itch in American politics. We are at the cusp. We're at the beginning stages. The Tea Party movement is a part of the third 70-year itch. It's you and me, whoever dominates this short time and period of history in the next couple years may very well be the force and direction of this nation for the next 70 years. That's what I'm talking about, the importance of the 70-year itch and understanding that. You're not going to hear about that anywhere else. That's Doc Holliday's Tea Party. So don't go tell the liberals. They'll get all, they'll get all uh, fired up to try to do something. Just keep this a secret between you and me, <laughs> Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Uh, but I am going to put it out in my book and talk about that. It's very, very important that you know that what you're doing is historic. It's historic for the ages. It's as historic as what the men and, and the, on both sides did in the, in the Battle of Gettysburg. And I got that in my book. There's some things in the book that you're not going to get in any other book anywhere. I'm telling you, Doc Holliday's rock-splitting politics, Tea Party versus the status quo, coming out sometime in October, and I'll keep you tuned right here. That's this week's Rock of Liberty speech. So glad you're listening to us. Don't forget to go to wheresamericasjobs.com. Check that out. Check out my website at www.teaparty.ms, and don't forget next week. We have another great Doc Holliday's Tea Party show coming up couple interviews i'm lining up for next week so you just make sure you click it on and i'll see you next week god bless you thanks for joining us today and remember to listen again next week for another edition of doc holiday's tea party you can order ed's book walk with me a patriot's guide from the boston tea party to today's tea party revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen thanks for listening and we'll see you next week